Good morning. Uh, the, the scripture today that I will be reading is from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. About this same time, wise men from eastern lands arrived in, Ju in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading, um, leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked them, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what, that, what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in Judea, are the, not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star had first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, their hearts were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Thus far, the reading of God's word. I have been invited by Pastor Ken to um, show, to, or to tell how um, a star has led me. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank um, Pastor Ken publicly um, although we visit him sparingly um, every once in a while, he has been a great um, encouragement and source of inspiration to both Lorena and I as we have been on this journey. And um, he certainly has been a mentor in our lives, and, I, and I'd like to thank him for that. Um, now, he has given me one minute, and so that first minute didn't count. <laughs> and he should have known better than to give a preacher a a microphone with a one-minute restriction. I'll tell you a little bit about my story. I'll try to make it brief. Um, I come from a, a lineage of pastors, if you will. My, grand, my dad was a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, and my great-grandfather was a pastor, and all in the same church where um, I am now pastoring. Um, during my life, I always knew that I would not continue that lineage. I knew that for a fact. 
that if it was going to, um, if that was going to be continued, it would have to be by my brothers or somebody, but uh, it was not going to be me. And so um, with this, I always, I was always a Christian. I always um, had, had a strong faith. It waned from time to time, but um, I, I guess I was, I was also a Christian on my own terms. So I, I didn't um, allow God to really take my heart and, and lead me. And so um, one day I was visiting in a retirement home and an elderly lady um, who had attended our church for many years, a very faithful um, lady who was always very supportive of our church, came up to me and, and she, after exchanging a few pleasantries, she walked up to me and she put her hand on my heart and she said, do you know what you're going to be? And I'm thinking, I am 55 years old. What could change? <laughs> and uh, she said, you're going to be a minister just like your dad. And I was taken back by that. And um, at that moment, I saw the star. I went and discussed things with Lorena and we decided that, okay, perhaps um, we should allow God just to lead us, just to open ourselves up to whatever God intends for us. And we had no idea what that might be. And so we continued our life as, as normally as could be, and um, we, we entered into prayer and, and continued to ask God to be part of our life and, and to show us what he would have to do, um, have us do. And it wasn't six months later I received a phone call um, from our church, and they said, we would like you to consider being the pastor of our church. At that point, we looked at one another and said, how do you say no? We just said, whatever. And, now. <laughs> and so we accepted the challenge of being um, the pastor of the church. And so... Um, you have to be careful what, never say never to God because he has a way of getting to you. And as I, as I read this story about, about the wise men, um, they, first of all, they had to be looking to find that star. They had to be looking. And so your eyes have to be open to see those stars. God is forever in our, in our periphery um, with stars. And we have to know how to recognize those stars. And um, the second thing that the wise men did is um, they decided to follow that star. They didn't have to. They could have seen it and go, hmm, nice star, and not followed it. And those are the challenges that, that we face. When we see that star, we have to decide to follow it. And um, that star led those wise men to Christ. And when we decide to follow the stars that God puts in our path, we are ever drawn closer to Christ. So I encourage you to follow your star. Russ, so good. You got two of my three points. I really, really don't need to say this, but uh, I will anyway. Thank you so much, brother. I just wanted to say, first of all, uh, we have a little month-old baby, 
in the Stallery Hospital this morning uh, who is uh, very sick, hasn't eaten for a number of days, and has a respiratory problem, and uh, they're really caring for this little guy really well. But I want us to pray for him this morning. And uh, we have a 97-year-old lady, uh, Rudy Radke's mom, who's also in the hospital. So isn't that interesting? Early in life and late in life, and God has his hand on all of us. So would you stand for just a moment, and we'll pray. Lord, we pray for little Simon, uh, Rob, uh, Raylene, and Chris's little boy in the stallery this morning. And we pray that you will breathe into him your life. If that lung is collapsed, that you will blow it back up again. If there is pneumonia there, Lord, that it will be taken away. And God, you will put your hand on him today. You'll be able to look back and say, as our congregation prayed on this Sunday, there was a miracle that took place. And Lord, we pray for mom and dad, too, that they'll be able to rest and be renewed. And uh, Lord, we thank you for Mrs. Radke. Uh, We don't know the number of uh, days and months that you'll give to her, but we thank you, God, that she's a follower of yours. And and we ask that you would just... uh, care for her today and uh, may she sense your presence in that hospital room may she be so aware God that uh, she's walked with you and you've always walked with her in Jesus name Amen well we lost an incredible marathoner a few weeks ago 86-year-old Joy Johnson, there she is, a a veteran of 25 New York City marathons, died with her running shoes on, honestly. Johnson, who was the eldest runner in this year's marathon, fell at the 20-mile marker and hit her head, but got back up, finished the race, And after the race, she returned to her hotel room, laid down with her shoes on, and never woke up. Amazingly, she didn't run her first marathon until she was 61 years of age. So some of us can still get going. And uh, ironically, the career gym teacher, she was a stranger to personal exercise until she took a three-mile walk in 1986. And then she started jogging, and then she competed in uh, the 10K races. And by 1988, she had completed, uh, competed in her first New York City marathon. Three years later, she recorded her best time at age 64 with a time of three hours and 55 minutes. A few years ago, she told a, her rep- a reporter about her personal regimen, that she'd wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, drink her coffee, while reading her Bible, and then set out on an eight-mile pre-dawn run. When you wake up, it can either be a good day or a bad day, Miss Johnson said. I always say it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. And this follower of Christ ran every day, but Sunday she didn't run so that she could go to church. She sang hymns to herself as she would run, though, uh, the rest of the days of the week to pass the time. 
And so she would, she would sing and she would rhyme. You know, we try to capture certain words to help us understand what it means to be in a relationship with God. And sometimes we use the word race or a marathon. But we always say it's never a sprint. But it could be a marathon. It is a race. Because a marathon requires perseverance and commitment. Early this morning, I don't know if any of you got up early this morning, I didn't, uh, to watch the funeral of Nelson Mandela as he was laid to rest. His life was a journey to bring the South African people, and I guess for that matter, the people of the world, to an understanding of how to live together. In the winter of 1964, Nelson Mandela arrived on Robben Island, where he would spend 18 of his 27 years. Confined to a small cell, the floor was his bed, a bucket for a toilet, he was forced to do hard labor in a quarry. He could write and receive one letter every six months. But Robin Island became the crucible which transformed him. Through his own intelligence, through his charm, through his dignified defiance, Mandela eventually bent even the most brutal prison officials to his will. And he assumed leadership over the rest of his comrades. He became the master of his own prison. He emerged from it the mature leader who would fight and win the great political battles that would create a new democratic South Africa. It was an incredible journey. Incredible man. Sometimes the best word for our relationship with God is to simply call it a journey. A journey. And the journey continues until the day we pass from this life to the next life. It's a good word, journey, because it reminds us that it's daily. And we never arrive, that we're always on that journey. And the scenery changes as we move along. There are new experiences and new challenges. So the call is not to live in the past, but to have our eyes wide open to what God is doing today and tomorrow. Now I want to take you to this wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 2 to take note of some people on a journey. It would be interesting uh, to discover how Christ meets us on the journey. How we get found, as our theme was last week. Sometimes we hide from God and he simply says to us, get found, get found. It may be that Christ simply surprises you one day and you connect all the dots and you say, oh, I've been missing this. I must say yes to Christ. Or it may be that the journey is a long journey for you, which takes years to finish. Now, some people get surprised, ambushed by Jesus. Like Saul, of course, on the road to Damascus. He was dead set against everything that Jesus stood for. So his world was totally rocked when Christ intercepted him. Or perhaps some of us are like the shepherds out in the field, minding their own business, and then they meet somebody who tells them about Christ, and some, something in their heart wakes up. They, are, they, they aren't on a spiritual search at all, but when they hear the news, everything in them says, yes, let's go. Let's go check that out. I'm going to ask you this morning, uh, at the close of the service, where you are on your journey to Christ. 
And if you haven't even started on the journey, then I'm going to invite you this morning to say yes to Jesus and get started on your journey. So the, <clears throat> the journey often begins with seeking. Number one, the journey often become, begins with seeking. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. We might call this section of God's word the amazing race, because it has some of the similarities. A race where you don't get all the information all at one time, you gradually collect the clues to get you to the destination. So these wise men of old were on an amazing race. They were on an amazing journey. And we've all heard about the, the wise men. We try to piece together who these guys really were. And without getting too technical with information that is sketchy at best, we generally believe that these, the magi or the wise men came from Persia. And they probably were a tribe of priests. They're, they're believed to be teachers of the Persian kings. And they were skilled in philosophy and science. They believed in astrology. So they studied the stars. And they held that a person's destiny was influenced by a star under which he or she was born. <laughs> Sound familiar? If some spectacular phenomena appeared in, in the heavens, then it imp impressed them. And they thought perhaps God was breaking into the affairs of the world and was an announcing some special event. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, much speculation has been made as to what they actually saw. Was it some supernova? Or was it a brilliant comet such as Halley's Comet? But astronomers do tell us that for some period of time around the birth of Christ, there was in fact a star that shone brightly in the eastern sky. That, sky, that star was there for everyone to see. I mean, the Jews could have seen it. Herod could have seen it. Anyone who looked into the sky could have seen that magnificent star shining brightly. Yet it was these guys, the magi, the wise men, that took special note of the star. And the, the scriptures tell us that there was a, a brilliant star that appeared, and the magi, seeing this star, were convinced of an act of God in which the entry of a great king was being heralded to the world. The Magi represent many people in our world who are on a search. The Magi were thrilled when it got dark at night because they could peer into the heavens. And they didn't have telescopes and observatories. By the way, just for your interest, they are currently building a monstrous telescope that will outpower five to ten times anything that ever, has ever been built up to this point. Uh, it's called the Giant Magellan uh, Telescope, which will be completed in 2020. And uh, it'll be on an observatory there in one of the hills in California. It takes a long time to polish those mirrors, and so it's going to be a while yet. The Magi didn't have the technology, but they had good eyes and no smog, and they could see the heavens. And they studied the sky every night, plotting the configurations and writing them down on charts. 
You see, it's these guys who aren't just hoping to get through the night. Uh, they, they are looking forward to the night. Their challenge in life is finding out if, if there's some truth out there worth living for and dying for. They want to know how all of this fits together. And so they're on a search for truth. How many wise men were there? Well, we always paint the picture of there being three wise men, but that comes from the tradition that there were three gifts, uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then there's an older transition, uh, tra- tradition that says there were 12 of them, but we don't know. And that they traveled hundreds of miles and they prepared well for this journey. Now, this would not have been a simple fly under the radar kind of uh, journey. No, this would have been a royal entourage, like the flight to South Africa with our prime minister and three other prime ministers from our past and Alison Redford and all the press. I mean, a real Canadian entourage. And this would have been pageantry, a caravan of camels and servants and supplies to make this long journey. They were on a journey and they were seeking. And they were seeking God's truth and they found God's truth. And the amazing thing is that they are not Jewish, yet God leads them to the Messiah. So there's a message here for us. And the message is that Jesus is not just the king for the Jews, but he's the one for all of us. That he has come to this planet for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the richness of all of this is that it doesn't matter who you are. You're in South Africa. South America, South Pole, you're in. Black or white, doesn't matter the skin color. It doesn't matter one iota. It doesn't matter the status of your financial portfolio. It doesn't matter your gender. You're in. It doesn't matter your IQ. The issue is a willingness to seek. And the sadness is The sadness is an unwillingness to ask a question. The sadness is an unwillingness to inquire, to say, God, how does all of this relate to me? The sadness is a hard heart that says, I'm going to stay my distance. Or even worse, I know what it's about, but I can't get close because it might change my priorities. It might change the way I do things. It might change the way I think or the way I operate. It may force me to lose my edge My selfish edge. And the significance is that if we seek him, we will find him. That's the promise of scripture. God shows up when we inquire. He will reveal himself to anyone who truly seeks him. The scripture says that. Jeremiah 29, 13. The Lord says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So the journey starts with an open heart. Some people have started the journey and then put it on pause. Or even more challenging, more challengingly retreated from their open heart. Some have ceased from their searching because people like me, pastors or priests or leaders, have blown it. And people say, sure, follow God. Well, I don't like what I see. 
And some people have ceased from their searching because somewhere along the journey, something happened. And they got hurt. And they got hurt by their church. They got hurt by their family. They got hurt by their pastor. They got hurt by someone who claimed to have a relationship with God. And it didn't look too good. And so they said, not me. Not for me. And all I can say this morning to that is, no doubt what you say is true. And my only response is, I'm sorry that it happened. I really am. I really am. I'm sorry your journey was interrupted. And I hope you can look past the humanness of people in your world so that you can authentically search for the relationship that God wants to have with you. I hope you can get past it. Secondly, the journey includes observing the clues that God gives you so you can find Him. God gave the wise men an interesting clue. He gave them a star. Verse 2, Where is the newborn king of the, of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 7, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them that the time when the first star, when the star first appeared. And then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. Verse 9, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You know, God's heart is to do whatever he can do to reveal his glory to the nations so that the nations will in turn bring glory back to him. And he'll even use a star. He'll use whatever he can to show people who Jesus Christ is. If he has a church planted in a community, he would love to use that church if the church says, yes, please use us. Lord, here we are. You planted us here. Lord, please use us. I mean, think of the church where you grew up. Think of the church you attended in another city, in another province, in another town, in another country, perhaps. Think of your home church. He would love to use that church. I think of my good friends, Fred and Gisela, this morning. Gisela was my first secretary, starting out in ministry years ago. They're now retired. They moved back to their homeland of Germany. And when I visited them a few years ago, they were involved in the, their church in the southwest part of Germany. And although, as Fred says, our church isn't a perfect church, as is characteristic of every local church, they knew that God, they, that God wanted their church to make a difference in the community. And Fred had a heart to work among a group of white Russian immigrants from Belarus who had settled in that part of the country where they were living in their town. And these folks were having difficulty getting integrated. And so Fred went to work, and there he was, lending a helping hand. He was there to share the love of Christ. He was there to help integrate them into the family of faith in their town. He just said, I'm here, use me. If you put your hand up, that you're willing to step up to the plate, he will use you as a guiding star for people. We've uncovered some pretty deep needs in our community. And uh, you might think uh, that we don't have poverty in our community. But we do. 
And God has put us in a position to help. We're not a bank. Uh, we don't have unlimited funds. But we, when we take a, a, a benevolent offering, as we did a couple of weeks ago, you can know that the money that is, is used as a means to bring glory to God. And if we can step up and do something and show the love of God, then perhaps, just perhaps, that family will come to know God too. Someone brought in a Christmas hamper this week and said, here, if you, if you know of a, of a family that could use this, and we said, oh, we do. And uh, so we gave it to a family in need. The next day, the family came in, and we, we presented it to them. And it, much, it meant so much to that family that was in great stress. And if I told you the story this morning, you would cry. You would cry. The need is that great. And the hamper became a star to guide a family in their search to find God. To realize again that God hasn't given up upon, on them. That God loves them. And he sees them in their crisis. God intends for you to be the star of Bethlehem in a world that is mixed up and very often perverse. A lot of strange things happen in our world because we're not anchored. People today are into all kinds of weirdness. But some are longing in their heart that there must be something out there. And they're looking everywhere. And they open their papers every day and they read their horoscopes. And, well, I would say, don't go there. When you don't know where to go, you give almost anything a shot. Horoscopes, a fortune teller, ecstasy, a bottle, an unwise investment. C.S. Lewis made a statement in his book, The Great Divorce. He said, looking comes first. Looking comes first if you're ever to find the life you want. Always, always. First the eyes. You only begin to change your life when you begin to change the way you see. And God has put us in a dark world. We just have to be the light wherever we are. And God uses us. And he calls us to use our eyes to see into the dark. To understand the situation. We are to be this light shining in a dark place. And when people follow us, they eventually find Christ. Because God speaks to those who will listen. You may be the star that is placed in someone's life to guide them to listen to God. God speaks through his word. The scripture says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God speaks to us through the teaching and the preaching of his word. And Norb and Russ and I, uh, so many others, are always humbled that God would use us in the declaration of his word and that through the unfolding of the truth of scripture, people would enter into a personalized journey with God. There is something about the preaching of the word which, which seem, almost seems out of date in this technological world. Still preaching with all the media that we've got today? Yeah, still preaching. Because there is something about preaching the word that God uses like a star to point people to Christ. One man tells a story 
about visiting a church while on vacation. And he was hoping to hear a dynamic preacher with a dynamic message and was very disappointed when the pastor stepped up to the pulpit and the pastor was very ordinary and the message was very ordinary. But the man said, something happened during that sermon that Sunday morning that God spoke to my life through the sermon and he revealed his will to me and he gave me direction for my life. It's the power of the word. So I appreciate so much when you pray as we share the scriptures on a Sunday morning because it's what the Holy Spirit does that's the most important. I was, I was writing this week and, and as I was writing I, was, I remembered the story of Charles Spurgeon coming to faith in Christ. He said his life was empty and he felt very lost. Do you know the story of Charles Spurgeon? The man who became such a prominent communicator and preacher of God's word back in the London tab tabernacle in the latter part of the 1800s. And the story is that Spurgeon woke one January Sunday uh, in 1850 with a deep sense of his need for something in his life. While he'd been going to a, a church, uh, he, he just wasn't connecting. And because of a snowstorm, this 15-year-old's path to church was diverted down a side street. And so for shelter, he ducked into a Methodist chapel. An unknown substitute lay preacher stepped into the pulpit and read his text, Isaiah 45, 22, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Spurgeon later reflected and he said he, he really didn't have much to say. Thank God for that compelled him to keep on repeating his text. And there was nothing needed by me at any rate except his text. And then coming, stopping, the preacher pointed to me where I was sitting under the gallery and he said, that young man back there looks very miserable. And he shouted as only I think a Methodist can, Look, look, young man, look now, look now. And he said, Then I had a vision. Not a vision to my eyes, but to my heart. I saw what a Savior Christ was. Now I can never tell you how it was, but I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I also understood what it was to believe. And I did believe in one moment. And as the snow fell on my road home from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me and told of the pardon I had found, for I was white as the driven snow through the grace of God. Upon his return home, his appearance caused his mother to exclaim, Something wonderful has happened to you. What happened? God speaks for the preaching of his word. But God speaks in so many different ways. He may speak to you through the counsel of a wise friend. He may speak to you through your parents. He may speak to you through your children. He may speak to you through an event, through a book, during a time of meditation. While you're watching the news, he speaks. Anytime you're listening for God's voice to give you direction. So the journey includes observing the clues that God gives you so you can find him. And then thirdly, the journey only makes sense when you're willing 
to follow. Matthew, the writer, records, after this interview, the, white men, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. There's no doubt that this entourage of wise men from the east on this amazing race were absolutely committed to follow. They were willing to pay the price of a long journey through no doubts of very adverse weather conditions, howling winds and blowing sand and long distances between water holes, but they were committed. And because they were willing to follow, the star led the wise men to Jesus. The star was there for anyone to follow, but these men had the heart and they had the passion to follow. I want to say this morning, the road to Jesus is available to all of us. If you're willing to let Jesus lead you through the day, to day, the day-to-day events of your life, and he will do it. Uh, e. Stanley Jones tells of a missionary who got lost in an African jungle. Nothing around him but, but bush and a few cleared places. So he found a native hut, and he asked the native African if he could lead him out. And the African said that he could. All right, said the missionary. Please show me the way. And the African said, follow me. And they walked and they walked and they hacked their way through unmarked jungle for more than an hour. And the missionary finally got worried. He said, are you sure this is the way? Where is the path? And the, the native African said, Buana, Father, in this place there is no path. I am the path. And you know there are times in our lives when we find ourselves in situations that offer no clear-cut answers. There's no path. It's at times like this that we trust ourselves completely to God, knowing that he will lead us each step of the way. The truth is that he wants to lead us even more than we want to follow. And the way out is through Christ, always. A pastor was conversing with a couple, and the woman was explaining why she didn't feel comfortable coming to church. She said, you know, I did something terrible that I can't tell you about, and I feel really ashamed. I had this moral failure in my life. And I, I just don't feel like I belong anymore. And her husband stood there nodding his head like, yeah, what she says is true. And both of them had basically decided that she was not fit anymore to be there. And although I can understand why one might feel that way, that we don't belong, that we're outsiders, that's not what the Word says. That's not what God says. Praise God, that is not the message of the Bible. You can come wherever you're at. You can come whether you are magi or wise men from another country with a background very diverse from Jewish people. You can come if you're Herod. And he would have come had he not been so jealous. And the woman caught in adultery, she was welcome to come too. We all have a place if we decide to follow. We all are people who need an invitation. 
to experience grace, especially when we've messed up and failed. You might feel excluded by some colossal moral failure or perhaps some persistent habitual sin that you can't seem to overcome. You might feel defined by some experience of rejection in the past. But the gospel says absolutely no, no, no. Don't let anything like that define you. Don't let your failures define you. Don't let your sin define you. Don't let what other people say about you define you. You're no longer a lost, excluded sinner. You're no longer a victim of what other people have done to you. You are a recipient of God's grace. That is absolutely what defines you. That you are a recipient of God's grace. A few years back, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York ran a series of advertisements on posters all over the city of New York. And the posters were decorated for Christmas. And they had this simple caption, Come home. Come home. What a great message. Come home. No matter where you've been or who you've been with, and no matter what you've been up to, or how long you've been away, come home. And that's the invitation of the gospel. Come to Christ on your amazing journey. Do a careful search and find him as your leader and your savior because he wants to be found by you. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to come home to say yes to Jesus. No matter where you've been, to come home. So, would you bow your head with me for just a moment, please? And if you'd like to say yes to Christ, I'm going to ask that you pray with me in in your heart, uh, in the quietness of your heart, that you just pray this prayer with me and let it be your prayer. And if you're searching for Christ this morning, just lift your hand and, and pray with me and say, Lord, I'm looking for you. Lord, I'm, I'm looking for you. I've seen your star. I've heard your voice today. And I come. Lord, I've, I've seen your star. I've heard your voice. And I come to you. Please forgive me of my sin. All of my past. I repent. I turn the other direction. I say to you this morning, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to start fresh. I want to start fresh. Lord, come into my life. I commit myself to journey with you for the rest of my life. I say that to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And I say to you this morning, if you prayed that prayer in the quietness of your heart, bless you, bless you as you start your journey with Jesus Christ. I'm at the front here at the close of the service and would be so happy to guide you into next steps if, if, uh, if that would be what you would like. But Lord, just thank you this morning. Thank you for your, your word to us today. Thank you that you call us to yourself and that you're always seeking us. And Lord, thank you for giving us the clues that we can find you and come to you. So like the wise men this morning, we... We're on a journey, Lord, and we want to embrace you more and more until we've just given you absolutely everything. And Every day is at your disposal, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Here we are. 
use us. In Jesus' name, amen.